Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Intentional Living series, which talks about approaching every day with purpose. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God has impacted you through these messages. 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning is where we're going to be. We'll, we'll stand and read there in just a moment, uh, but we're just uh, kind of get everybody up to page, up to the same page on where we've been. Uh, we've been going through our series, Intentional Living. Uh, that's where we're trying to take the principles of God's word and translate them into everyday life, um, like the principle of surrender. We talked about this one a few weeks ago, that many people think that surrendering to God is kind of a one-time decision. You know, well, I look back and I, I remember I was 12 when I surrendered or whatever the case might be. But we understood from the scripture that uh, real surrender is actually a moment-by-moment decision in every area of my life. It's me saying, God, I commit my thoughts to you today. God, I want my actions to be what you want them to be today. God, I surrender my words to you during this conversation. And we took the example of Mary in Luke in chapter number one, where she said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Here was Mary, this young lady who had her plans and her life worked out. And yet God came and said, I've got something special for you. I've got a purpose that I want to use your life for. And she gave us a great example that she, she just simply said, all right, God, I give you every area of my life. And then as you watch uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, you watch her continually staying surrendered to the Lord through Jesus's life. What a great example Mary was. So we've been taking principles like that one and figuring out how can we turn it into everyday living for us. We talked about the principle of encouragement. Man, everybody knows that we should be encouraging to other people, but what does that look like? And so we looked a few weeks ago out of Acts chapter number nine and learned from Ananias that encouraging somebody means that I'm setting my selfish desires aside and I'm gonna put others' desires and needs before mine and take my life and invest in the life of people around me. And so we talked about being intentionally encouraging. Uh, We started, of course, the series about intentionally growing. It's one thing to say, I want to be closer to God in the new year. It's another thing to say, I'm gonna take steps to be closer to God in the new year. And so we talked about those principles, the principle of sharing Christ or worshiping God and, and others like that. Most recently, last week, we looked at the idea of being intentionally humble before the Lord. And we looked at a Philippians chapter number two and looked at the greatest example of humility, which was Jesus who humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But Philippians 2.5 says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I read a, um, a post on uh, Twitter. How many of you have Twitter? You have Twitter? How many of you have no idea what Twitter is? You don't? Okay, there's a few of you here. Uh, I read a post on, on Twitter, and one of my friends uh, posted a comment about humility uh, just yesterday or this morning, and uh, the, it was such a thought that um, humility is more than just a thought. It should be a way of life. And You know, that's the principle taught in Scripture, that humility should be more than just a a thought. And we talked about that last week. We view it in the abstract, that it's kind of a good thought or good communication piece. But the Lord says, I want you to to walk with humility. I want you every day to put aside you and put God first and walk humbly before him. Well, this morning, we're going to continue in this, uh, this series or finish up, like I said. But as we start today, I got to kind of pull out the elephant in the room, that we are approaching a new year. And we're approaching a new year. There's something right around the corner. Two days from now, we're going to be in 2019. 
Now, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know about you, but every time we come to a new year, I can't help but think about Y2K. How many of you remember the scare of Y2K? Uh, Y2K, you know, this was the year of when we were going from 1999 to 2000, and uh, it was the year that the whole world was going to shut down. It was the year that the apocalypse was going to begin. I remember people working frantically to collect all the canned food they could, and many stores sold out of common everyday goods. Bottled water was in high demands. All the toiletries were uh, being sold out of everywhere. People were filling up their bathtubs and sinks and uh, making sure that they had uh, uh, at least a little bit of water in their tub for the next day because according to some of, new, some of the news stations and different uh, uh, Newsweek magazine and Time magazine that Y2K was going to be the end of the world. I remember candle sales soaring uh, during that time because, of course, the electricity was going to go out. I mean, everything, everybody thought the world was going to end. This was kind of a common theme during that time. The headline, January 1st, 2000, the day the earth will stand still. You can't read all those things, but it says all the banks are going to fail. Food supplies will be depleted. Electricity are going to be cut off. The stock market's going to crash. Vehicles using computer chips will stop dead. Telephones will cease to function. Domino effect will cause a worldwide depression. And uh, of course you think, well, that would just be on a, that would just be on a tabloid. You know, that's all that would be. But this would, there, there would be major headlines that were saying Y2K is going to be the end of the world. Well, as you can tell, it didn't happen, because here we are 19 years later, 18 years going into 19 years later from Y2K. But I want to ask you a question, is who's to say that the world isn't going to stop tomorrow? Who's to say that the rapture isn't going to take place and that eternity is going to set in within a matter of a few years? Who's to say that we have two more days and we'll make it to 2019? I think none of us could say that. None of us can say of a surety, I'm going to see tomorrow. We can't say that, but I think that many of us plan on it. I plan on it. I plan on being around tomorrow. I plan on being around Tuesday. I plan on waking up Tuesday morning after I've stayed up late Monday night playing board games and waking up Tuesday morning in the year 2019. So I want to ask you a question this morning is, if you, like me, plan to wake up on Tuesday morning, let's just say you plan to wake up tomorrow morning, what are you going to do? What are you going to do in the new year? This morning, I want to present to us the idea that if we're going to live with purpose, have intentional living, then we've got to have a mind made up that no matter what comes, I'm going to intentionally continue. I'm gonna keep moving forward for the Lord. I'm gonna continue walking with God. I'm gonna continue seeking him. I'm gonna continue putting God first. I'm gonna continue helping my family be a, a family where God is placed first. I'm gonna continue making God the cornerstone of our home. I'm gonna continue putting church first. I'm gonna continue putting time in his word first. And so this morning, I wanna talk with you about this idea of if the world doesn't end tomorrow, Will you wake up and determine, I'm going to intentionally continue? This was a challenge that Paul gave to Timothy, and I want you to see it with me. If you'd stand together, 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, we're going to go through the whole chapter, but I'll just read two verses to start. 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, 
And I want us to tune into a challenge made by Paul to Timothy on this very subject of continuing. Notice, if you will, verse number 13. Here's what Paul says. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Verse 14 again, Paul writes this to Timothy. He says this, but continue thou. Continue thou. This is something we're going to look at this morning, intentionally continuing. What was Paul calling Timothy to, and what challenge can we receive, it, receive from it today? If you would, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let's just have a moment of prayer. And in your own heart, would you commit the next few moments to God? And you can pray something like this of, God, I commit the time to you. And I'm asking you to speak to my heart this morning. And then would you make a commitment that as God speaks to you, that you're listening and that you'll respond to him today. Dear Lord, we thank you again for the day and thank you for the word of God. I pray that you would just help us right now. Lord, I humble myself and I recognize, Lord, that I, I don't have anything to offer except for what you give through me. And so I pray that you'd uh, fill me with your spirit. I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here that does not know you as their savior, I pray that today would be the day that they come to know you as their savior. And Lord, for those in here that do know you, I pray that we would leave with this attitude of intentionally continuing to walk with you in the new year. Love you. Thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. The book of 2 Timothy is a great book. Many people believe it's probably the last letter that Paul, the apostle, would have written. Uh, if you go back and you do some research on the life of Paul, of course, his name was Saul of Tarsus, Acts chapter 8. He was a great persecutor or a great adversary of the church and of early believers and of Jesus being the Messiah. But in Acts chapter number 9, Paul himself receives Jesus Christ as his Savior. And <coughs> excuse me, because... <coughs> Because Paul receives the Lord as his Savior, uh, Paul begins a journey of Christianity himself. And Paul, uh, of course, his name changes from Saul of Tarsus to Paul. And he becomes a great uh, church planter and a great follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and a great proponent of the message of Jesus, one that would go out and tell people uh, Jesus is the only way to heaven and Jesus is the only way to have your sins forgiven. And you don't have an answer in religion. You don't have an answer in church. You don't have an answer in the Pharisees or the Jews. You don't have an answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. Christ alone, and Paul would be a great advocate of that message and go around preaching that and establishing many churches. Well, along his journey, Paul would meet many people. One of those young people was a man by the name of Timothy, a young man by the name of Timothy that he met while he was in Derby and Lystra. This would be a story where Paul would be there. Uh, it was an area, if you remember, Acts chapter number 13 and 14, I believe, uh, where Paul goes and he actually gets stoned almost to death. And Timothy would be one that was standing and watching Paul get stoned for simply believing in Jesus Christ. And uh, Paul would go back and encourage the believers in Derby and Lystra, and he would uh, challenge them to keep moving forward for the Lord. And here was this young, uh, this young boy, maybe 15 or 16 years old, that was watching all of it. And 
And while the years would go by, and Timothy would actually become one of the closest friends of Paul. Uh, Paul and Timothy would go, and they would help start churches together, and Timothy would travel around a little bit with Paul, and then Timothy would stay and pastor a church as just a young man in his uh, early 20s, late 20s. uh, Timothy would be a young man that would just continue that ministry that Paul started. Well, because of their, uh, their good relationship and because Timothy and Paul became so close, um, Paul would write to Timothy periodically. We have two of those letters. We have 1 Timothy. That's a letter written from Paul to Timothy. And then we have 2 Timothy. This would be the second time that Paul would write to Timothy. In these letters, of course, Paul, as the uh, older man in the faith, would just encourage young Timothy in his faith and just say, hey, Timothy, I want to encourage you to keep moving forward for the Lord. And and I want to encourage you to stand against false teachers. And Timothy, be ready to give an answer. And Timothy, make sure that you're committing scripture to your memory. And and he would just kind of encourage Timothy in a number number of things. Well, Paul knows that his life is going to be cut short. He's been arrested by Nero. This would be, I believe, the second time that Paul was arrested. The first time we read in Acts 23 uh, through 28, I believe Paul got out of prison after Acts 28, would travel a little bit more, and then would go back in jail or back in prison under Nero. Paul would know just in his own heart, that this is, this is going to be it. And so Paul, in that little prison cell, that little dungeon of a cell, would begin pinning these last words to Timothy. And as he's writing of different things that Timothy's going to face, he begins to pin 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul lists a number of great things in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want you to see a few of the things that Paul talks about with me this morning. Before we get to his challenge about continuing, I want you to see that Paul, first of all, writes about what I'm calling a savage culture. He writes about a savage culture. Notice, if you will, verse number one of 2 Timothy chapter three, because Paul writes this. He says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. We read verse number 13 that, uh, that men are going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And well, what men is he talking about in verse number three or verse number 13? Paul describes them in verse one down through verse number nine. As Paul writes these things and writes about this savage culture, he opens it up, as we read just a second ago, with that phrase, perilous times shall come. The word perilous, it means this, hard to bear, troublesome, dangerous, harsh, harsh, fierce, or savage. The word savage in this context would mean uncontrolled. Paul says this, hey, Timothy, in the last days, uncontrolled times are going to come. And then he describes to Timothy what these uncontrolled times look like. Look, if you will, verse 2, down through verse number 7. Where Paul writes this, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient unto parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, trady, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away." If you look at verse number six, he says, For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul says, hey, Timothy, in these last days, 
Perilous times are going to come. Savage times are going to come. A time when people live in an uncontrolled manner. And then he describes what that uncontrolled manner is. We'll go through it very quickly. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. They're going to be selfish. Men shall be covetous. They're going to be wanting everything they don't have. Men shall be boasters, verbally lifting up themselves. Men shall be proud. This is uh, filled with a spirit of pride. Men shall be blasphemers. This is abusive in their speech or their approach toward God. Men shall be disobedient to parents. That just means that they're disobedient. Unthankful. This is a deep one. Not thankful. Unholy. Another deep one. Not holy. Without natural affection, they're having unnatural actions in their life. Truth breakers, they're liars. False accusers, they're gossipers. Incontinent, they have no self-control physically. They're fierce. That means they live with an aggressive, mad, anger nature. Despisers of those that are good, they oppose that which is good. They're traitors. They betray and are betrayed. They're heady. They're impulsive or irresponsible. High-minded, they're lifted up and driven by selfishness and by pride. They're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They love people or they love things. Things and life and uh, doing stuff more than God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, they have an empty religion. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive women uh, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. It just simply means that, they're, that the, these types of sinners are preying on the weak and the simple, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. They're growing in knowledge but gaining no wisdom. This is what Paul is saying. Hey, Timothy, listen, in the last days, uh, perilous time, people are going to live in an uncontrolled manner. Let me ask you, does that sound like a culture that we might live in anymore? Man, this is a culture we live in, isn't it? Man, verse 13 is very true, but evil men and seducers shall what? Wax worse and worse. I use the illustration often of, <coughs> excuse me, of walking into my grandmother's house and uh, my dad's mom, her name was Edna, and uh, she was married to a wonderful man. His name was Hank. Hank was a World War II vet and a great man to just sit and talk with. Hank was just such a, a loving, loving guy. We always wondered why he married my grandmother, but he was such a wonderful man. I'm just teasing. Uh, but my, my grandmother, she was a dear lady. And uh, uh, you know what? She had some years. My dad would tell you she had some years where she kind of wandered away from the Lord. And this was her testimony of getting away from the Lord, living life for herself and doing what she wanted. But I'm thankful that during the last 15 and 20 years of her life, she came back to the Lord and became a great soul winner and invested in people. But my grandmother, she had a problem. She was a worrier. She worried all the time. I would walk in her house, and if it wasn't a Western on TV, the news would be on. And as I would walk in, I, I'm not lying. My wife would attest to this. My dad could attest to this. I think even Daniel Blim and other, Robert Elliott could attest to this. You would walk in, and before she even got out of her mouth, hello, or you got out, hey, Grandma, I'm here, I could walk in and say, Grandma, and she'll, she would stand up, turn the corner, look in the hallway, and say, have you watched the news today? <laughs> Wouldn't she? She'd do it all the time, all the time. You know what she learned? And she would always say this. She'd say, oh, things are bad, aren't they? And the next day she'd go, oh, things just get worse. There was one time it's, I was, you know, you know me, I'm very rarely am I sarcastic. Very rarely am I sarcastic. But one time I let it come out. 
And she said, oh, things are getting worse. And I think there was a time I just said, well, it just goes to show the Bible's true. <laughs> She's like, not what I wanted to hear. Man, it doesn't take long. Turn on the headlines. Man, headline after headline. I can't, I can't scroll through a, a news app, and I, I try to stay up to date on news stories and different current events and things of that nature, but man, you can't turn them on without finding murders and, and rapes and adulterous relationships and thefts and just all these things blanket our news and blanket our culture, and isn't it, isn't it just interesting to know that the Bible's true? <laughs> Times are going to wax worse and worse. Why? Because men are going to be lovers of their own selves. They're going to be, and he goes through and lists all of these things that describe this savage culture, all summarizing it in verse number 13, that it's going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul says, hey, you know what, Timothy? Times are going to come, and as time continues, it's just going to get worse and worse. He looks and he says, Timothy, as you look around, you're going to see people living in an uncontrolled fashion. Timothy, you're going to look around and you're going to see people living in a way that seems fierce and harsh and savage. Perilous times are going to come. I'm going to give you a side thought this morning. I think that many of us could very quickly admit, yes, we see this in culture. We see perilous times. We see savage, uncontrolled living but isn't it sad when this type of living creeps into the life of a Christian? Isn't it sad when we see and we ourselves become lovers of our own selves, proud, boastful, covetous, disobedient, unholy, unthankful? Man, Paul is using this to describe culture without God. It's sad that this description sometimes is the description of a culture that claims to have God. I think Paul knew, not that he could tell the future at all, but I think Paul knew God close enough that he knew, and it was heartbreaking, some of this is gonna creep into believers' lives. I believe he knew it because of what he writes next. Notice what he says. We see, first of all, a savage culture that we look at. But I want you to see, secondly, that Paul talks about a surrendered character. He talks about a surrendered character. Look, if you will, at verse number 10. Paul says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. As Paul writes to Timothy of these things, he pauses and reminds Timothy of the fact of saying, hey, listen, Timothy, 
you're gonna see a certain character, you're gonna see certain characteristics uh, that are gonna go along with our culture. But Timothy, those characteristics are not what go along with a godly person. Those characteristics are not what go along with a person who has a surrendered heart to the Lord. He says, hey, that's not what you've learned from me. That's not what we've learned from Jesus. That's not what the disciples have passed down. He says, no, you've fully known my manner of life. When, he, when Paul says, you've fully known, <coughs> that, phrase, uh, that phrase fully known in verse 10 through 12, uh, I missed it. Fully known, it means to understand and to be close to. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, you've fully known, you understand, and you have been close to godly character. Now, I want us to understand, as Paul is writing this, he's not boasting of himself in these verses. This is not a boastful spirit. Hey, look to me. That's not what he's doing. Paul is simply saying, as he said often to those that he wrote to, hey, follow me as I follow God. Hey, we're all in this together. Let's just focus on him. And here's what Paul writes. He says, hey, you have, we haven't learned such things of the Lord. You haven't learned such things in my life. You haven't learned such things in uh, Epaphroditus. You haven't learned such things in anybody in in Aquila or Priscilla or anybody that's been influential in your life, Timothy, you haven't seen any of those ungodly characteristics. No, here's what you've seen. Tim Timothy, you've seen my doctrine. What's the doctrine? He's saying, you've seen what I believe and what I stand for. You've seen my manner of life, the way I conduct myself. You've seen my purpose, the reason for me living and following the Lord. You've seen my faith, my trust in the Lord. You've seen my long-suffering or constant endurance. You've seen my charity, my love towards others, my patience, my steadfastness. You've seen, you've seen me go through afflictions. You saw it at, at Derby and at Lystra and at Iconium. You've watched all of these things. Oh, but Timothy, the greatest thing you've seen is that through it all, God God's been faithful. That's what he says in verse 11. Hey, but through it all, the Lord delivered me. Hey, Timothy, through everything that I've been through that you've watched in my life, you've seen God be faithful. And Timothy, I want you to remember that God is faithful to his children. God is faithful to those who belong to him. Oh, but Timothy, let me give you an assurance. All that will live godly shall suffer persecution. Hey, Timothy, if you, listen, Timothy, if you live counterculture, if you live different from this perilous culture, this uncontrolled culture, this savage culture, Timothy, if you live different from that, I promise you, persecution's coming your way. Can I just tell you that that's why a lot of people don't want real discipleship? Because real discipleship, real fellowship of God, it means that people may not accept you for who you are. And that's what our world claims, huh? Just accept me for who I am. Hey, just, this is me. Just, I just claim this. And if you don't like it, tough. And you better uh, agree with me. And if you disagree with me, then I'm gonna sue you. Right, that's what, our, that's what our culture's become. And here's what Paul's saying. Hey, listen, if you're gonna be godly, if you're gonna be counterculture, be against this savage, uncontrolled culture, you're gonna suffer persecution, Timothy. You're gonna suffer it. As Paul writes about this, I believe one of the little sub-themes that Paul could be writing is simply saying, while things get worse and worse, the child of God does not have to follow suit. Verse one through nine, hey, things are going to digress. But Timothy, you don't have to. Timothy, you don't have to. And I think it's a good reminder, just as it was, a good reminder for us, just as it was for Timothy, 
that Paul shows Timothy that there are people that you can look up to that are standing firm. Man, I can look in the word of God, and aren't you thankful there are people, listen, there are people in his word that stood counterculture. Man, I could just list off some names. I only have uh, six on my list right here, but I think of Paul. He was one of them. How about Daniel? How about Esther? How about the apostles? How about Jeremiah? How about Joseph? Man, you could go through the Old Testament. You can find person after person after person after person that they said, even though things wax worse and worse, I am not following suit. I am not going that direction. I will not follow culture. I will follow Christ. This is what Paul's writing. Hey, there's a savage culture, but let me show you a surrendered character. But I want you to notice, if you will, where Paul takes this conversation is by pointing out to Timothy that in the midst of this worse and worse culture, God can give you a strength to continue. Hey, Timothy, Savage culture is coming. Hey, Timothy, that's not the way of the Lord. Hey, Timothy, you don't have to stand on your own. What a great verse, verse number 14. Notice what he says. But continue thou. Does he stop right there? No, he doesn't stop at all. You see, a lot of folks, we like to look and say, continue, continue. But notice what he says. But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and been assured of. I love the phrase assured of. I don't want to get the definition wrong. When you look at that phrase, <coughs> assured of, it means, uh, uh, it means the things that you have found completely trustworthy. Paul says, hey, as things get worse and worse, Timothy, you can continue. Well, how can I continue? when you continue in the things that you have found trustworthy. Paul says, Timothy, the key to being different than culture, the key to you continuing is to continue in the right things. Continue to be close to the things that you have found trustworthy. And Paul continues himself to point to such things. Look at verse number 15. He says that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's profitable for doctrine and reproof and correction and for instruction and in righteousness. Watch verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, throughly furnished. Watch the next phrase, unto all good works. Throughly furnished unto all good works. Hey, Timothy, you wanna be verse 10 and 11 and 12, not verse one through nine. Timothy, it comes by you having a constancy to walk in the word of God. Timothy, you wanna continue and be counterculture in the savage, uncontrolled, perilous times. Timothy, it's gonna take you getting in the word of God. And listen, this morning, we need to know and understand that Paul, I believe, would give us the exact same message. Paul's saying, hey, continue to be close to the things that you have found trust Worthy and the word of God is that which has the power to give you and I wisdom and to work in your life each and every day. It is God's power. It is God's power. But how do we have God's power? Through his word. It's his word. 
You see, his word gives you doctrine. Doctrine is what you need to stand upon. His word gives you reproof. Reproof is what you need to be against. His word is what gives you correction. Correction is what needs to not be in your life. His word is what gives you instruction in righteousness. That's the direction where you need to go. Hey, Timothy, let God's word be your main influence. And believer, you and I need this truth each and every day because we too are called to continue. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, it doesn't take long for us to realize that we're living in counterculture or living in a savage culture. It doesn't take long to realize that things are not getting better. It is just going to get worse. But what God is looking for is some believers that are stand up and not say, well, I'm gonna perform a checklist. No, 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 don't perform a checklist. Well, I'm gonna be religious. No, don't be religious. God says, I want you to fall in love with me every day. I want you to get in the word and get to know your God. I want you to understand that I have purpose and I have planned for you. I want you to understand that I have meaning for your life and you are more than just a speck and you are more than just a dot in eternity. No, God says, I love you and I gave my life for you and I want you. I want you to continue. Get in the word and continue. So if the world doesn't end come Tuesday, what should you do? Man, get in the word and continue. If Y219, I don't know, Listen, if 2019 isn't the end of the world, what do we do? Continue. Continue what? Continue in the things that you have learned and been assured of. Man, get in the word of God. Man, we found it to be trustworthy. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life when I've failed God, but there's never been a time in my life where God's failed me. Well, he didn't answer that prayer request. I was telling our class this morning, there's some prayer requests that I've prayed. I'm thankful he didn't answer. I'll tell you right now, when I was like 17 and 18, God, please let me marry her. I'm so thankful God didn't answer that. I'm, I'm thankful God brought me my wife. Yeah, thanks, Dad. You know what? We can look at life and we can say, uh, man, I have prayer requests. And, and we sometimes, we kind of get sulking and we get in and we say, well, he's not doing what I want him to do. Listen, be thankful for that. Because he sees it from the bird's eye view. He's not looking at a situation. He's not looking at one simple weed. He's not, looking at the, he's not looking at one simple weed. He's looking at the whole forest saying, how can I help this child through these journeys? And you and I need to just understand that his word is what brings us assurance. His word is solid. His word is the foundation. His word should be that which I stand upon. And don't you ever let the devil crawl up on your shoulder in the new year and say, well, it's just another year. You might as well just kind of buck down and just get through through it. No, no, no. I'm going to continue in his word. Why? Because I'm assured of it. I hope that we would just look to the new year and say, God, help me to continue. We need his word. His word receives that strength that we need. I, I want you to understand that we cannot continue in our own strength. We need his. Think about Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching uh, richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Romans 10 says that our faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to grow in faith in 2019? Get in the word of God in 2019. Psalm 119 verse 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. I just want to tell you this morning that in order to continue, we must intentionally continue in his word. Man, get in his word the things that we've been assured of. 
We can very clearly see that our culture is not going the way of the Lord, and many people have the attitude, well, I'll just rise above the culture. I'll just rise above the flaws of those around me, but we need to, the fact of the matter is that we cannot rise above culture. We cannot rise above those around us in ourselves. We cannot do it in our own strength. We need his help, and when we get in his, when we get in his word, we are furnished unto all good works. You know what that means? God gives you every single thing you need to persevere. He gives you every single need. He meets every single uh, ounce of wisdom that you need. God gives you grace and God gives you strength and God gives you the ability just to press forward and take another step for him and to grow closer to him. But none of that happens apart from the word of God. I'll tell you right now, and I, I'm a young pastor, but even just being a young pastor and coming up on the church's eighth year and eighth anniversary, I can tell you how many times in the last eight years someone will come and say, Pastor, I need help with this decision or this decision or this situation. And I'll say, Let's get in the Word. Let's get in the Bible. Let's, let's study this out. Okay, Pastor, I'll do that. And a month or two months or a year later, they'll say, Pastor, it's pointless. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Well, what doesn't work? I've tried everything you've said. Have you been getting in the word? Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah I, yeah, I read it twice this week. Sunday morning and Sunday night when you preached. Now listen, I, I want you to understand, I'm 35 years old. You can come to me with problems. <laughs> Y'all, if you can join me after church, there's going to be a whooping of a teenager after service today. <laughs> Listen, I'm young, and I understand that. People come to me with situations, and I'm like, you did what? You need what? Because I do not have wisdom. I don't have it. I don't have answers. Man, there's problems of people in our church family that I, I sit back and I, man, I just, God, I got no idea what to tell them. But I'm thankful I don't need to have answers. He does. His word has answers. And you and I need to understand that if you're gonna continue, you gotta get in his word. Man, you want to be a man of God? Want to be a lady of God? Want to be a teenager who walks with God? You want to be someone that uh, is living counterculture, that's living against this savage culture? Man, get in the Word of God. Don't live a day apart from His Word. One man said it this way, it's not enough to learn that which is good. We must also continue in it. Man, continue in it. I close with this thought and illustration and give you a couple questions. Um, a few years ago, I know many of you, just the last uh, few days, Wednesday, you saw that white stuff coming down from the sky and you got excited. How many of you enjoy snow? You like it? All right, I like snow. I just don't like driving in it or when it sticks around too long. But it was here for, you know, 12 hours. I was fine because I was sleeping during like eight of it. So it's good. <coughs> but I remember a few years ago, man, snow is every kid's dream. And it's a lot of adults' dreams, too, man. Uh, when snow comes and that snow begins to pile up, uh, boy, the first thing the kids want to do is go sledding. Let's go sledding. Let's just find a hill and let's go sledding. Uh, or let's go build a snowman. Or the best thing that you could do is go have a snowball fight. Man, any person who loves snow loves snowball fights. Well, 
Uh, we're blessed today. We have the Elliots with us. This is Robert and Beth's mom and dad, and they live in California. Well, Robert was raised in California, and although he grew up going to the mountains and snowboarding a little bit, uh, Robert, up until five years ago, did not have much experience with snow. And uh, we were at the park one day, we were sledding, and it was our family and, and Robert and Beth, this was before Adeline and Weston, and uh, we were there and we were sledding, and uh, if I recall, I don't, don't recall the whole situation, but I'll try to give it to you as I remember it, that we were getting done, and Robert threw a snowball, I think, at Dennis, at our son. And Dennis and Micah, and of course, at that time, Micah was just a little guy, uh, and Lena, all three of them were smaller than they are now. And uh, all three of them began to throw snowballs at Robert. Well, Robert, he's, he's an adult. I was going to say he's big, but <laughs> Robert's like a broomstick with arms. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> he's going to be mad. Man, Robert, he's, he's there, and he's, he's a grown-up, you know, so he's just pummeling all three of these kids. And they're hiding behind sleds, and I was just kind of standing there. And it dawned on him, we have a decision to make. Are we going to just keep getting blasted? Are we going to try to attack? Or maybe we'll join his team. You know, maybe I'll just start throwing snowballs at my brother or sister. Maybe I'll start, Lena, I'll start throwing snowballs at my sisters. Or my brothers, sorry. They, they had this, this decision. But the third one could be, can we just ask dad for some help? Because I grew up in Colorado. Listen, I'm not afraid of a snowball fight. My snowballs will hurt, and you will not want to be in a snowball fight anymore. And so my kids are there, and they're facing this decision. Do we continue just kind of getting through? Do we... Do we just start throwing snowballs at our own teammates? Or do we ask dad for help? Ask dad for help. And so, hey, dad, can we get some help? Man, I thought you would never ask. <laughs> you know what I already had? Snowballs. Not just one, mind you, a stockpile of them. Because I can make snowballs fast. I'm like the elf on the movie. Just kidding. <laughs> Listen. I remember we were there, and here's what I was doing, picking up snowballs, and I'm pummeling Robert. And he wasn't, he wasn't having, ah, oh, ah, oh, pastor, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh. you know? And I'm like, hey, man, the kids asked for help. <laughs> and you know what? They're able as just a little, uh, uh, man, five years ago, a little, how, how old are you now? Twelve? So, man, seven years old, and five years old, and three years old. Now here they are taking on the 23-year-old with dad's help. Can I just make a little comparison? Man, this world, because of our culture, snowballs are coming. Trials happen. Testings happen. Things don't go our way. And we feel like we're getting pummeled from every angle. And sometimes we're like the kids. We're taking the sled and using it as a defense. And we're just trying to push through. And maybe you're looking at 2018 thinking, I just, oh, I just want to push through to 2019. And then hopefully I'll just get, hopefully, hopefully we can get through 2019 too. And it's just, you're facing the decision. Do I just get through? Some of you are facing the decision, do I just quit? 
man, do I just give in to the savage culture? Oh, I know Jesus is my savior, but man, I'm just gonna quit. I'm just gonna give in. I'm just gonna go the way of the world. But some of you in here need to make the decision to say, God, I need your help. God, I'm gonna get in your word because when I get in your word, you start making those snowballs. And God, when you start making snowballs, the enemy flees. I wanna ask you, what are you gonna do in 2019? Man, what are you gonna do in 2019? You gonna cower behind the sled? You gonna flop over and just join the culture? Or in 2019, you're gonna continue? Will you continue in 2019? Get in his word. Let his word be your guide. Let his word be that which directs you. Let his word give you the strength to stand counterculture. God, I wanna get in your word and follow you every day. Why? Because God, when I get in your word, it helps me to fall in love with you all over again. When I get in his word, it just reminds me of the loving, wonderful, gracious, strength-giving, amazing God that I serve. Will you continue in 2019? But I close with this. Maybe... Maybe you can't continue in 2019 because, listen, maybe you can't continue in 2019 because you haven't even started yet. What do you mean, Pastor Dennis? Maybe you can't continue walking with God because you're not even with God. I'm gonna ask you this question. It's between you and you and the Lord alone. That's it. Do you know for sure if you died today, you're going to heaven? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have sin, your sins are forgiven and that Jesus Christ is in your life? Has there been a time when you put your faith and your trust completely in him? You see, because if you're here and you'd say, well, I've been to church. Listen, going to church won't get you to heaven. I'm a good person. That won't get you to heaven. I, I, I'm trying to be religious. That won't get you to heaven. Good works, nothing we do can get us to heaven, can get us that relationship with God. Nothing we do can put us on, nothing we do can put us on God's team, so to speak. But that comes only when we ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sin and to be our savior. So I ask you, has there been a time in your life where you asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin and be your savior? Has there been a time in your life when you put your faith and your trust completely in him? The question is, do you know that Jesus Christ is in your life let me tell you, you cannot continue if you haven't even started with Jesus. I hope that today, if that's the decision you need to make, that you'll make that decision. For those of you that do know Christ as your savior, will you make the decision? In 2019, I'm gonna continue. I'm gonna get in his word. I'm asking the Lord for help with those snowballs, not myself. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed. And as we have a time of invitation, if God's spoken to you, I wanna encourage you to respond. But with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm gonna ask Miss Rebecca to begin to play even before I pray. And let's stand to our feet right now. And if God's spoken to you right now, you can come. Right now you can come to the altar. Maybe today you need to come and say, God, I wanna continue. But maybe you're here today and you'd be honest with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we're all standing. If God's spoken to your heart today, you'd be honest, Pastor Dennis, I do not know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you by name. But if that's you today, Pastor Dennis, would you pray for me? I do not know if I died today that I'm going to heaven. I don't know that Jesus is in my life. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor Dennis, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. Just right up and right back down. 
Now, if that's you today, you raised your hand and you don't know for certain that heaven is where you'll spend eternity, that your sins are forgiven, I invite you to come right now. I'm up front. I'll have someone take a Bible. They'll show you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Believer, you're here and you'd be honest. You'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me because I, I want to continue in the new year. God spoke to my heart today about continuing his word. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and write back down? Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm gonna pray for you, but I wanna encourage you. Would you make that decision today? Lord, I pray that you bless the invitation. Help us to respond to you as you've spoken to us. Help us to have this decision to continue in the new year. Lord, help there to be some folks today to make the commitment that in the new year, they're gonna be consistent in their walk with you. Lord, help us, help me. God, I need your help. I don't wanna continue in my own strength. I need yours. And so, Father, I pray that you'd bless our invitation. Help those in here that may not know they're going to heaven. Would you help them today to come to know you as their Savior? In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.